Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. From uh, mid-2007 until early 2009, there was this global financial uh, crisis going on. All the financial markets around the world and banking systems went through a period of great stress. Uh, This was referred to as a global financial crisis or it was usually shortened to GFC. And many many nations... Many businesses and many individuals suffered financially during this period. This whole world seemed to be caught up in a recession that was happening. Uh, During this time, Dr. Nasser Siddiqui, an American businessman turned pastor and author, uh, released a video series and a book called How to Prosper in Any Recession. And um, we watched that series at our home um, connect group back at the time. A month or so ago, I uh, come across a book and I started rereading it. And as I was reading it, I began to notice in the evening news services they were talking about fears of a recession caused in part by the war in the Ukraine and um, some other things were happening. And no doubt you've all heard this talk about there could be a recession coming. And uh, I guess we're already seeing increases in the prices of things like food and uh, fuel and electricity. And uh, as I was reading the book, I realised that it was probably a good time for us to look again at the ways that God's people have prospered during recessions and it will give us a hope for our future. Uh, As we read through Genesis, we can see the ways... That God, it was always God's intention for us to be blessed. And uh, so let's look at some Bible verses. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 to 30. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over everything that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth, every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give you every green plant for food also. And it was so. And in uh, verse 28, it starts with the words, God blessed them. The writer of Genesis used the word brakah, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, which we interpret as meaning blessing. Brakah is a Hebrew Chaldean word that means more than just blessing. It actually means liberal prosperity. So when God blessed mankind, he was actually making, uh, speaking liberal prosperity over us. God imparted that blessing to us by simply speaking the blessing over us. In Genesis chapters 6, 7, 8 and 9, we read the story of a man called Noah. 
We probably all know this story. Noah was a godly man who lived in a time when the rest of the world seemed to have forgotten that God had created the earth and that God was a good God and um, that he loved people. He'd been looking out for people. And, uh, and it says that Noah was the only follower left in his generation to follow God. And so although he lived nowhere near the ocean, he obeyed God's direction and he built a ship to the specifications that God had given him. Now just think about it. If you were living somewhere way inland and God said build a ship, <laughs> you'd be thinking, why? <laughs> if I live near a river like we do here or I live near the ocean, that would be easy. But it's, that wasn't the case. So he built, built his ship and when the flood covered the whole earth came, uh, Noah and his family and some of every kind of animal were kept safe. Noah was obedient to God and when the flood was over, he gave thanks to God and God blessed him. And in Genesis chapter 9 verse 1 it says, Then God blessed Noah and his son, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. So both Adam and Noah were told to be fruitful and multiply. Right? God wasn't speaking negative words over them. He was speaking encouraging words over them. Be fruitful. God blessed their productivity. So this tells us that the blessing is transferred through words. might seem strange to us, but when God speaks, something is created. Remember in Genesis chapter 1, God's creating the universe. Right? How does he do it? <laughs> Didn't use a pick and shovel or a bulldozer. It just says that he created the universe simply by speaking it into being. For example, verse 3 tells us, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. When God speaks, something is created. And perhaps it's no surprise that the words we speak are creative also. Psalm 19.14 tells us, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We need to think about the things that are right in God's sight because the words that come out of our mouth are connected to the thoughts that are going on inside our head, aren't they? And if we're speaking negative thoughts about ourselves, maybe saying, look, you know, I'm a loser or I can't get anything right. If we're speaking negative stuff about our thought about ourselves, then the creativity of, of our words are going to go against us because they're going to be, if we're saying negative words, we're just going to be uh, negative people. You see, Noah and his family were saved because of Noah's obedience to God. The blessing that came to Noah was a result of his obedience to God, as I've just said. And as you read through the Old Testament, you see that at various times in Israel's history, the nation faced some sort of uh, recession. Sometimes it was because of flood and famine, and sometimes it was because of uh, you know, wars that were taking place with other nations. But the solution to the problem was always the same. 
Recession was stopped when the people followed these three steps. They believed the word of God. They obeyed the instruction in the word of God. And they sowed the seed that God had instructed them. In his book, How to Prosper in a Recession, uh, Dr. Siddiqui makes an interesting observation that at first glance might seem to be rather confronting. He writes, God never meets a need. He gives an instruction and blessings follow. When you first hear that, you think, what? But I think there's a truth to it. God never meets a need. He gives an instruction and blessings follow. Let me explain. In Exodus, we read of Moses leading several million Israelites out of the land of Egypt. And all is well until they come to the bank of the Red Sea and it appears impossible to cross. And to make matters worse, the people look back and they see that the Egyptian army is pursuing them. And so they begin to panic and they start blaming Moses for getting them into this situation. Then the people began to cry out to the Lord and his response is surprising, I think. Let's look at Exodus chapter 14, verses 15 and 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Can you see what was happening here? The need was met when Moses obeyed the instruction and he raised his staff out above the water. The water parted and the people were able to pass through on dry ground. They heard God's word, they obeyed it and they were blessed with safety. And we see this scenario a number of times in the New Testament as well. Let's read um, John chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews to, for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw out some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had turned into wine, and he didn't realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom and asked, sorry, aside, and said, everyone brings out their choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best till now. This Bible reading is quite self-explanatory, isn't it? During the wedding, I've run out of wine. 
Jesus told the servants to fill the jars with water and then take some to the master of the banquet. Um, let's just stop there for a moment and think about this. Right? Verse 6 tells us that each jar held 20 to 30 gallons. So let's take an average and assume that each jar had 25 gallons. Right? That's 113.6 litres in each jar. And so six jars would add up to 681.6 litres. Right, we're not talking about a little bit of extra wine here. It seems to me that we're talking about quite a bit of extra wine, right? 681 litres. To the servants who'd just filled the jars with water, this no doubt seemed rather strange. But they obeyed and the water became the best tasting wine of the evening. How did this come about? Jesus gave an instruction. The servants obeyed and the people were blessed. The classic story that's often used to, um, in relation to sowing a seed in the Bible and, and reaping a harvest of provisions found in 2 Kings verses 4 Sorry, chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. The prophet Elisha had a group of prophets and, um, and that he worked with, and one of them had died, and that man's widow had come to Elisha for help. So reading 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. The wife of the man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his credit is coming to take away my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her and said, How can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into all the jars and, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She let, left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. And when all the jars are full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. You see, this widow is going through a personal recession. And her debt, seemingly left by her husband, was so great that her husband's creditor was about to take her two sons as slaves to pay the debt. And like the implications of this for her were fairly serious. In those days, there was you know, no government social benefits, you know, no Centrelink. And so the only way a widow could survive in her old age was to be supported by her sons. And if her sons became slaves, they'd have no money to support her in her old age. And so her future would look bleak. Elisha was a powerful prophet. And he knew that in order for God to provide a blessing, he needed a seed. So he asked her 
tell me what you have in your house. And she said, no, your servant has nothing here at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. So this woman's broke. She couldn't see that she had anything of value. However, Elisha saw the small jar of olive oil as a seed that God could take and multiply. He gave her a a precise instruction as to what to do with it and now it was up to her to obey the instruction. When she approached Elisha, she was perhaps hoping that he would pay her debt. But God didn't tell Elisha to pay her debt. Instead, he gave her an instruction to pass on. I think I've probably said it in the past occasions that the instruction you obey is the future you create. So the woman obeyed the instruction even though it may not have made any sense to her. I mean, fancy going around your neighbourhood asking all your neighbours if you can have every spare jar, empty jar that they had. And neighbours would have been wondering what's going on. Well, when she began to pour the oil from the small jar into the big borrow jar, she may have felt a little silly. But when the bigger jar was filled and she started on the second jar, there was no doubt uh, she was filled with hope, joy and excitement because here was a miracle that was taking place right in front of her eyes. And once the empty jars ran out, so did the oil. It was the jars that ran out first, not the oil. I expect she was thinking, I wish I had some more jars. Her oil yield was, yield was limited to the number of empty jars that she had on hand. And I guess you can probably have a guess that um, if she had a million empty jars, she could have filled them and became the world's first oil, olive oil magnate. Right? But no doubt she returned excitedly to Elisha to tell him what had happened. And in verse 7 it says, She went and told the man of God and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So this widow heard the instruction that was given via Elisha. She obeyed the instruction and he, she um, sowed effectively her seed by faith. In, in her case, the seed was a small amount of oil that she still had and by faith she was prepared to tip it out into a bigger vessel. But before this happened, Elisha had first identified what, had to identify what the seed was that could be multiplied. And as you read through the Bible, you see that this wasn't just a one-off event. We see the same pattern occurring in the New Testament. Let's look at Mark chapter 6, verses 31 to 44. It says, Then because many people were coming and going, they did not even have time, have a chance to eat. And he, that means Jesus, said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. 
But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send some people away. Send the people away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, well, that would take more than half a year's wages. And are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he divided. I knew this page was instinct. And he divided the fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So after I've been talking about what can you see, there's a pattern. The disciples were telling Jesus that there was a problem that seemed insurmountable. Verse 44 tells us that there's 5,000 men. So if we include women and children, the number could possibly jump to 20,000 people. The disciples think the cost of feeding such a loud, large crowd would be equivalent to six months' wages. Right, and yesterday I had a look at the Bureau of Statistics wage figures in Australia, and at the moment the average would be equivalent for six months to $45,500. Right? So it was going to cost a few dollars to feed all these people. Instead of looking at the cost, Jesus' response is to look for a seed that could be multiplied. I'll reread verse 38. It says, How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. So Jesus identified the seed that was available to use. And he took it and he gave thanks for it and he broke it and the fish and it distributed it to all those there. Everyone eats and they all have as much as they want to eat and it says that there were still 12 basketfuls left over. Now, reading these stories in the Bible is great but we need to understand that these things still work for us as believers. And uh, my first encounter with increase kind of took me by surprise. And in fact, I don't think I really understood it. When I was about 20 years old, uh, at the church that I went to, uh, we were having a youth service in our church and we had invited um, the Christian Fellowship Group from Flinders University to join us. And uh, you, know, you know, when you're dealing with teenagers and young people, you always need plenty of food on hand. And uh, we'd invited them to come for about an hour earlier so that we could have a meal together. 
The problem was when they turned up, there was a whole lot more of them than we were expecting. And uh, as one of the organisers, I felt embarrassed because we didn't have anywhere near enough food. It was kind of obvious looking around, this isn't going to last. I apologised to the leader of the group from Flinders Uni who confidently said, it'll be okay, God will provide. I wasn't so sure. And as they started to eat, another guy and I slipped out discreetly and we went down the street to a cafe and and bought a couple of packets of biscuits, (laughs) which was nothing compared to what we had to do. And it was um, nowhere nowhere enough to really add on to the food that we had. But it was the best we could do at the time. So everyone stood around and talking and eating and enjoying themselves. And when it was time for the service to start, everybody moved out and into the church. And I was one of the last to leave the hall. And as I walked out, I glanced at the tables that the food was on. And to my amazement, there still seemed, they still seemed to be almost as much food there as there was when we started. And I walked over the church wondering to myself, how did this happen? You know, how can this be? There's no logical explanation. Everybody's eating and yet there's all this food here and we didn't have enough to start with. I couldn't see any logical explanation. Everyone was there, everyone ate their food and there was food left over. And at that stage, I didn't know anything about, you know, sowing and reaping as it applied to God's kingdom. And... uh, I realised now, at the time, I was thinking, oh, well, maybe it was a lack of faith on my part that we went out and just bought a couple of packets of biscuits. But as I was writing this, um, I realised that without realising it, we'd, uh, when we brought the biscuits, we were actually sowing a seed of faith for that meal and God gave us an increase. And I still marvel at what I saw that day. Going back 10 or 15 years ago, I was uh, growing you know, microalgae culture, as some of you who have been here for a while probably know, and for health supplements. And uh, at one point there was a, a problem with uh, one of the cultures and uh, I couldn't find out the information that I wanted to, f- to know about it to fix the problem and uh, those people who did know didn't want to tell me. And so um, I decided to sow, to sow a financial seed and... Uh, into the lives of some people who were in need and um, at the same time I asked God to show me what it was I wanted to know and within a week or so I discovered the answer to the problem. Now if this had happened only once you might be tempted to think it was a fluke but it happened three times in a row and I knew it wasn't a fluke, God was looking after me. So if you're sowing a financial seed and believing God for a financial return, God has to have a legal way to get the money to you, right? It's not going to fall out of the sky. There has to be some way for it to come to you. And um, often that's because of money maybe that's owed to you somewhere that you've forgotten about or maybe from an insurance policy or, or um, even from the tax department. And... Um, well, at the time when I was preaching about this, sort of, you know, years ago, the, um, some people started trying this out. And uh, there was one young lady in the church who needed 
$200, $201 something for something. And um, she decided that she would sow a seed and believe for it. Now, usually when, you, when you're sowing a seed for money, you actually use money, right? But this young lady decided that she was going to sow smiles at the place where she worked. Now, I'm not telling you to do this, right? I'm just saying this is what she did. And uh, that's what she did. And after a week or so, she got a... Uh, extra money from the tax department. Apparently that underpaid her um, her tax return. Now you might think, well, so what? But you see, the amount of money that they repaid her was exactly the same amount of money as she was believing for. Right? And that got my attention. I'm kind of running out of time here. So I'll close on a, on a practical note. Supposing you're going to sow some money into um, into your churches, into say our church's ministry or someone else's ministry, and believing that you'll be able to, so that you can believe you can, you know, meet some need you've got for maybe for a bill that you know is going to be coming. First of all, you have to decide specifically how much you need, how much you need to meet your need. All right, you might want to write it down so you know what it is. Spell out what it is you're believing for. Secondly, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you how much you need to sow in order to get the harvest you need. Um, For example, if you want to grow a tonne of beans, and I mean like a thousand kilograms of beans, you'd want to know how many seeds you needed to plant to to get a tonne, right? If you just planted two seeds... There's no way you're going to produce a ton of beans. You've got to know what the you know what how much you've got to sow in it to make this work. And after you sow your seed, you need to release your faith to believe in the harvest that's to come, right? And if you're married, you need to get your spouse to agree and believe with you. Important. <laughs> Once you've done this. Believe that you've received it, even though you haven't actually got it yet. Believe that you've received it, even though you haven't actually got it yet. Matthew eleven twenty four tells us, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. And so, if you're doing this, pray something along the lines of, I believe that I received my whatever it is you're believing for, in the name of Jesus. Simple as that. There's just one more thing left to say that's important. And I've got to tell you, there's always a delay between sowing and reaping. Because you know that, you know, say you wanted to plant some veggies in the garden, we'll come back to the beans. Suppose you're planting some beans in your garden, you put them in the garden one day, water them, whatever, You don't go back the next day expecting to pick a crop of beans, do you? Because, you know, some months is going to go by until those beans have grown and are producing a harvest. And that's how it is when we're often sowing a seed and we're looking for God to to, to meet our need. It's going to take some time. It might be days, but it could be could be months. Um, I've 
read a story of one guy who was looking for praying for something specific, something that was unusual, and he wanted it at a certain price, but he didn't seem to be in any hurry, and it took it happened, but it took some months for it to come up, and he was able to buy this thing that he was after. And so um, don't think that if you've sowed a seed, believing for something that's going to be there tomorrow, because it, it probably won't be. <laughs> um, I remember that when we, just after we first came here, 30 years ago, um, that uh, there was someone stood up here and preached a very similar sermon to what I've just preached now, and they made it sound like, um, well, look, if you sow some seed um, into God's kingdom, it's all done dusted, you know, you're right. And so um, <laughs> I suspect this person was preaching from, um, <laughs> from theory rather than <clears throat> from practical experience. <clears throat> so there was a, a lady in the church, uh, and I'm a single mother, and uh, she was doing it tough financially, and she heard this, and she thought, well, this sounds great. So the next Sunday, she took her, the money she'd saved up for her rent and for her uh, pay her electricity bill, and she put it in the, in the collection at the church. Now, she, was expect- she needed her money by Wednesday, right? So she sewed it on Sunday, and when Wednesday came, the money hadn't arrived. And so she's in a bit of a panic and I believe that she went and talked to the pastor and the, and the church gave her back <laughs> the money that she'd sowed. Now, I'm confident that there would have been a return on that money but it just wasn't happening in a couple of days. It was going to take a lot longer for it to arrive. And so I'm not wanting to sound negative but when you sow a seed here, understand that it's not going to happen overnight. Right, it's going to take a little while because, as you know, when you plant something in the garden, vegetables, it's going to take a while between what you sow and what you harvest and your harvest. So don't lose faith in that period of time. It will happen. Okay. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, I just thank you that you're an awesome God who's got great plans for your people. You want to bless us. You want to draw us close to you and uh, you, you just want to give us a liberal prosperity. And Lord, you've, you've given us some outlines here as to where we're to go. And uh, Lord, we, I just thank you for that. So Lord, just help us to dwell on this. It's really just a, a small part of the, whole, of the whole teaching. But Lord, I pray that you'll be with each person here. Father, that as we uh, go shortly, that you're going to go with us. And you're just going to open our hearts and our minds to what it is that you want to show us. So, Lord, I just thank you for that now. Bless each one, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church. Or come along to our Sunday service at 10am.